recently came from the state of Kentucky. Uh, my wife was invited by the Presbyterian women to attend a conference there. And as she was attending the conference, I was with Victoria and Sebastian. And every morning in our hotel, we went to this um, breakfast time. Uh, and um, you know, the first day, the first day w- was really good. Everything that we needed was there, especially Victoria. She, she needs her uh, fried eggs, and so they have them. That was really good. And then everything went well. Then the following day, we were looking for those fried eggs, and we couldn't find them. And we just found those, you know, boiled, cold eggs uh, that was really cold for her. And she didn't want them. And then, oh, man, what are we going to do right now? So I was looking around. There, there, there was Harvey. Harvey was an amazing guy who was all around trying to help people. And so he said, what's going on? What do you need? I'm like, okay, if you, they don't have it, they may probably don't have it. But I just say, you know, I just was looking for the for all oh, you say for the fry eggs? Uh, yes. I was looking for that. We don't do it today. Oh, okay. They say, but I can help you. He stands his hands like this, but I can help you. I can fix it for you. How many do you need? I'm like, okay, four. All right, we'll fix it for you. So he fixed it. The following day, I was really hoping that that would be the case, that they will do it. I, did, I, don't, that I didn't have to um, request those. And again, the same thing. And I was like, oh, man, no. Uh, I don't want to ask for those again. And Harvey was there. He was looking. He extended his hands like this and said, what's going on? Is, is everything going okay? I said, yeah, mine are the eggs, right? <laughs> everything is okay. They are cold. And, and he said, you know what? I can fix it for you. Give it to me. I'll fix it for you. So Harvey was this kind of person that made our trip a wonderful trip. But he was the one who was always extending his hands and saying, How can I fix it? What can I do for you? And I want you to, if you are able, I want you to extend your hands towards me. It's something that you take for granted. This is very, it's something that you really take for granted. If you are able, some people are not able to do this. In fact, if you have even fractured or broken an arm, I have done that to myself twice, and that's no fun. You can't move it. But we take for granted our abilities, our mobility, our ability to express ourselves. And the stories that we're going to look into today, they talk about hands. Okay, and I want you to read it with me. Today is about Sabbath stories. And let's, uh, can we read the scripture, please? If you have them. Yes, good. So will you stand up with me and read it with me? One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, wrap them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read that David did when he and his companions he enters the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate that one only for priests to eat. And he also gave some of his compa- to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand 
tree. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he will heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with a shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good? He looked around then and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so. It's completely stored. But the Pharisee and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discover. Thank you. You may be seated. What a way to end a worship service. You know, <laughs> this, the service is over. They are planning how to practice the word of God that they just heard, which is killing Jesus. That was, that was, that's the, that's the, the, the thoughts that they have in their minds, right? Um, so, but the first statement I want to make today is Sabbath, you know, was not made to regulate, regulate God's action in the world, but to bring our, our attention to him. And the Jewish people back then, they were so into the law, into the, the letters of the law, that they could not see that the most important thing that they were called to do in the Sabbath was to worship God, was to come to him him to actually seek him and to be there to learn about God. But then God is free, right, to do whatever he wants. Our mandate is to embrace him and his movement in our lives. If you notice the relationship of the Pharisee with the synagogue people, especially to the man who was sick, um, they were not really paying attention to him. They were paying attention to find a way to trap Jesus into something that he has uh, done wrong, like, for instance, breaking the law. And breaking the law would imply even touching a man for healing, right? Anyways, but I want to remind us that any time of worship that the Lord has dedicated for us to worship him, it's just for that. It's not to do something else. And they were so busy keeping their religious um, traditions that they could not see God at work. So I'd like to ask at this point, what is your motivation to practice your religious convictions? When you come to church, when you come to Bible study, when you come to uh, any particular event or activity where where we are trying to either or worship God or uh, help us get better in, in our faith or reach out to other people. What are your motivations to practice those religious convictions? You know, the question that Jesus asked is basically what he asked them. Is ask, he's asking us too. He says, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life, or to destroy it. So what is the reason that you come to worship for? What, what is it that you're looking for when you come here, right? You know, for some people, they come here to feel better, uh, to get encouraged, to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to get a word from God, to continue to grow in their faith. But what is your reason when you come to this particular worship uh, day, whether it's a Sunday or it's a Friday or it's a Wednesday, whatever that day might be, 
What is driving you? I think that is an important question. You know, do we go or do we come as a, uh, out of a sense of obligation that we have to do that? Or we go because we are celebrating something uh, that is beyond ourselves? Are we really anticipating God in action or are we just emotions? You know, religion, is, it could be tricky. It could be really tricky. You, you, can, uh, be, you can become a, just a person who goes through the motions at church or synagogue or whatever. And these people, uh, the leaders that you can see uh, dealing with Jesus, they were so into keeping the, the, the law and the religion that they could not see life. They couldn't see even God doing something new because they were trying to keep what, were, what was safe for them. So, but the question for us is, what is it that is motivating us to come to church? What is it that is motivating us to do whatever we do on behalf of God and his kingdom? Is it just a religious duty? Well, that's okay, but it's more than that. And Jesus is asking, are you coming to worship to equip, equip yourself uh, to do good or to do evil? You see that? For Jesus, coming to church is a practical place where you're going to be worshiping God and, but training yourself and training all of us to do good or evil. See, he's telling them, you always worry about the law and about all the regulations and all that, but do you ever think about what is the reason you come to worship? And he's saying, are you planning to do good or evil? Are you planning to save a life or to destroy it? You know, they could not answer the question because they were, they, on the very Sabbath, they were acting out of their evil desire just to harm Jesus. There is no celebration. You notice that when the, the man who had the shriveled hand, he, they didn't celebrate it. They didn't even say, thank God. They didn't, they didn't, um, they didn't, even stop for a while and, and say, hey, this is wonderful. Look at what just happened. No. Immediately when they look into the, what happened, they were just, they went out. They were furious. They don't want to continue to be there. And they just went out for a committee. They put together a committee. Right? And the committee had only one goal to stop Jesus, to get, out of him, get him out of the way. And other, the other gospel says to destroy him, to kill him. So, I'm impressed that in the very day of worship, they are planning to kill, to destroy. And the question that Jesus asked is because he's sensing, he's perceiving their intentions. And he has to confront that. Is asking them, are you planning for life or to kill? Are you planning to do good or to do evil? For me, the narrative uh, for, that they were keeping um, was more important than the life of another fellow Israelite. You know, there are many stories about this guy who has his uh, hand um, shriveled, um, um, 
but one of them is that they actually, according to some people, that that man was planted there in order to catch Jesus into breaking the law. Other people think that he had recently harmed his hand and he was just there trying to find hope. And there are other, other versions of this story, but basically he was there. And I want, I want you to notice that Jesus is not attempting to do a private miracle. He calls him and says, come here in front of everybody. I don't know if you're aware of this, but back in those times, people didn't want to, know, want to do anything with sick, sick people. If you were sick, if you have a, a, a limitation in your body, they didn't want to be around you because they thought that you were punished by God. So this man was normally... Um, uh, avoided. They didn't want to be in relationship with him, and Jesus does the very thing that will confront everybody. He said, you know what? Come here, in front of everybody. And for me, the first miracle that he uh, did was not just to heal him, but to bring, bring him to the center of God's attention. You know, he said, you know, you're not going to be neglected anymore. I want you to know that you, are, you have value, and I want everybody to look at you. Nobody's going to be able to avoid you anymore because you are precious. You are important. I want you to be in the center of God's action. So he forced them, basically, to look at the very person that they didn't want to look at. They, want, they, they, they were asked and somehow forced to look into that direction. Say, look at him. I don't know exactly if the, he was planted there or not. The Bible doesn't say so. But what I know is that he didn't, realize, he, he didn't know what's going to What's going to happen to him? He just obeyed. I don't know why he obeyed that way, but he just went. He probably was feeling something different. Perhaps that was the very first time that somebody treated him that way. Perhaps that was the very first time that somebody acknowledged him. Maybe. So he came, and he's still waiting. And while he's waiting, Jesus keeps talking and teaching. But the question is, are we supposed to do evil or good? And for me, in a way, in a very subtle way, he's telling them, you have been doing evil to this man. You have been neglecting and avoiding this guy. Because the question came after he came into the center of the attention, right? right? So you have been neglecting and avoiding this person, so therefore you have been doing evil to him. But I'm going to do something different here, he said. Um, and what he did, basically, was to confront the leaders who were keeping that man in the dark. For me, a new story of redemption is brought to the center. Um, and he says, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Now, think about, about the, the writer. The writer even comes and give us the detail that the hand that was damaged was the right hand. Back in those times, as you probably know, uh, that was the clean hand too. So you don't grip somebody with your left. You don't touch your, normally your food with your left. You didn't do that kind of stuff with the left. And you, obviously that was the hands of the strength and that represented the hand of God and so many other things. So this man 
And this writer is saying, by the way, the, the hand that, he's, that is not working is precisely the hand that will put him in a very difficult place. So he couldn't do his work. He couldn't probably have a really good relationships because people were thinking that he probably was under the punishment of God uh, or whatever. But Jesus is saying, come here, and I want you to do something now that you haven't been able to do for, for, for probably some months or years. Stretch him out. Oh, do it. I want you to be able to do what you, have been, you haven't been able to do and I want you to do that in front of everybody so everybody knows that you are part of the team, that you are part of the kingdom, that you are part of the people, that you are not left out. And I believe that the mission of the church is to make sure that people that are part of the church are part of the church, that they are not neglected, that they are not um, left out, that somehow, in any way we can, people is included. Are you with me? <laughs> You're too serious. I Maybe mean, I need to. <laughs> okay. Um, I also think that this gentleman not only received healing, but new possibilities. Um, they, this could have opened the, the way to go back to his uh, former occupation or employment. His joy was beyond having a perfect health. It was about new possibilities. And Sabbath and worship should be about new possibilities. When people come here, they should be able to come out of this place with hope and the, uh, an encouragement that comes from God that their life is worth, that they can make it, that they can continue to move forward, that yes, they have a church that will support them, that will encourage them, that, that will walk with them when they are celebrating, celebrating and when they are suffering. It doesn't matter. Let's imagine that he was sent to this synagogue just to trap Jesus. Well, he got four things. He might, might, have, been, might have been paid by the Pharisees. Now he got public recognition, right? You can keep going if you want. Next, next slide. For me, his life was now is he got public, he got first, he got public reaction, now he got public recognition, healing, new possibilities, and a story of hope for many. You see how his life story is changing now from somebody who was probably avoided and neglected, now he's becoming a hope for many. And that's what the gospel does, you know. The gospel brings you and me, brings every single uh, person uh, to the center of God's action. And that that was neglected now is brought to the center. Uh, and you see, he is now not only a new possibility for himself, but he's bringing a new story of hope for people. And I think that is what is lacking in many places, even in a country so wonderful and so blessed and so rich like the United States of America, you see many people without hope. Some people struggle out there because they don't have enough food, not here, not, well, maybe here too, but not as much you know, like other places. But we struggle because sometimes we cannot pay the, the mortgage. 
Oh, we cannot pay the car payment. Oh, we cannot pay many other things. So we all have our own struggles. But what is lacking the most in America is not abundance, but hope. And that hope only can come from the source of hope. And the source of hope is God himself. Jesus Christ, his son, is the one who can give us the hope. So if you're struggling uh, because of that, I tell you, God is interested in your case. You know, one interesting detail about this story, as I told you at the very beginning of of the sermon, is that it talks about not only the story of the, of the, of the man with uh, his hand, uh, uh, shriveled hand, but uh, at the very beginning, you notice that the, the disciples, they were picking uh, grains uh, of wheat and eating them and, lo- and using their hands. And the Pharisees were there. So it's interesting that they were there to tell people not to use their hands to eat because that was Sabbath. And now they're here to to expect Jesus not to heal this man, to use his hand because it's Sabbath. So if you're sick, there is no hope because it's Sabbath. If you are not sick, there's no hope either because it's Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, no, if you're sick or if you're well, there is hope because there is Jesus. So for me, the hands are highlighted here for the fact that God came in the person of Jesus who also had hands, right, to restore our human potential and our human value. If you're part of a church and your human potential and your human value is not highlighted, then you're in the wrong place. Your human potential and your human value matters for God because he made you, he made me, he made us all. And so you, your family, your life, your life story, all your challenges, all your fears, all your hopes, those are important to the Lord and those are important to us. So as a church, one of the the things that we should do and we need to continue to do is to make sure people here find that hope in Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? So whatever you do, whatever committee you are part of, remember that committee is, is assigned not just to regulate God's actions, but to empower God's possibilities into the people and for the people are in, within the church and beyond our walls. So the call to action for this morning is to ask you at least four questions. And the question number one is, what religious assumptions need to be challenged in your life? What is preventing you from fully embracing God and other people? Is there anything or anybody keeping you away from a life of possibilities in Christ? What would you do if you did not have the limitation that is stopping you right now? 
You know, as I was praying and preparing for this mes- message, I thought about how something that might have happened in the past to any one of us here, like misunderstanding, a mistake, a bad decision, a very hurtful word has shriveled some people's emotional and spiritual abilities. You know that there are people that even, even, though, even, though, even though they are emotionally hurt in a way that they cannot really enjoy God, they cannot really enjoy their Christian life, they cannot really um, experience the abundance of God because they are so hurt. Somebody or somehow a mistake, something that happened in their lives, shrivel their hearts, their minds, their souls, their imagination, whatever, and they are not thriving because they are already, they have been marked with, with a feeling, with an emotion that is not the emotion that they should be having if they are following the Lord. Because the Lord is all about healing those broken hearts. Remember when he, when he declared who he was and the kind of ministry he's supposed to be having? The, one of the things that he said, I'm here to heal the afflicted. And even if you look good and you dress well and, and everything looks like everything is going well, some people are so hurt. The pretending will not take them really far. It's, you, you heard many times people saying, and probably I have said it too, uh, fake it until you make it. Well, with Christ, you can't. Are you, are you hearing me? You can't, you can't just pretend that you're okay. You need to be okay. You cannot pretend that you're feeling good. You need to be good. I understand we all have all our, our own challenges, and we struggle with those. I do too. Do you? But we cannot pretend. We need help. <laughs> and I guess the, the best thing that you can imagine uh, is that if you, let's say you don't have any physical limitation. I do have some. I will not tell you what, which ones those are. Not everybody has. But just imagine Jesus calling you into the very center and say, look at him or look at her. If you notice, that's exactly what Jesus does for those who are rejected, for those who are hurt, even when they don't look like they are, like Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus uh, at a nighttime and hiding himself because he was so important that nobody had to see him, talking to this uh, kind of weird and poor and <laughs> preacher. <laughs> he went to talk to him at nighttime when nobody will realize that that great teacher, Nicodemus, was talking to Jesus. Why did he go? Because he needed to see God through Jesus. And he went. So whether you are an important person, a very respectful person, a very... Uh, Beautiful person, whatever, whoever you are, don't, you don't have to hide your hurts. God is available to you. Jesus doesn't want to just do a private miracle. He wants to everybody know that he can, he can heal you, that he can bless you, that he can encourage you, that he can do whatever you need in your life. 
And I guess this morning I'd like to ask you if you would like to pray with me. Uh, maybe you haven't prayed about that particular area in your life that has been hurt in the past and God is calling you to the center and saying, look, I want you to be healed too. Let's just pray this morning. I still have some time, by the way, it's 11.3. <laughs> so let's pray. And, and if any one of you had a feeling and a desire to come forward and wanted me to pray for, for him or, that or her directly, I would do that, it doesn't matter. But let's just stand up and for a moment take a time to pray. That's, that was what I felt that we needed to do today. So let's, let's stand up, please. If you are, I invite you, if you want, to close your eyes and think and, and just pray with me. If you are one of those persons who has been waiting for God to give you that opportunity, to get, to get that healing, the restoration of your relationships that have been broken in the past, or anything that has been preventing you from living the life that Jesus brought to you and to me. This is a time for you to say, Lord, I really, really need you to heal me. I am with the right people now. I'm with your church in your presence. So please, open your heart to the Lord right now and allow him to touch your, your soul, your mind, your heart, your body, your relationships, your fears, your dreams, your hopes, your frustration, whatever that might be. Because today is a day of worship. It's a day of healing. It's a day of transformation. This is the, the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So Father, please bring healing to those of your children that are here this morning and maybe looking uh, via Facebook uh, and wondering if that healing is for them too. I pray, Lord, that they also can receive that healing and that blessing and that word of encouragement. I pray that any burden that has been there for a for long time can be lifted up from their shoulders, from their chests, from their hearts and minds. And that we can really celebrate that you make us able. Because you have given us the great yes through Jesus Christ. So Father, we, as we think about those stories this morning, we picture the man who was healed and we're looking at, into, at, at him and say, I want to be healed too. Thank you, Father. If you want to repeat this prayer with me, feel free to do that. Say, Father, please heal my heart. Make me able to fully embrace you to embrace myself, to embrace my family, 
my church, the community, life, and to be a person of hope. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated.